Welcome to the weekly podcast all about turning the great American RV adventure into stress-less camping. Each week, we explore tips, tricks, ideas, and destinations, and talk to the happiest campers in the RV world. Pull up a seat at the campfire as we enjoy some stress-less camping. <laughs> Welcome to the virtual campfire. I get him every week. It, <laughs> <laughs> it's now my goal oh, to make him man. laugh before we get started. You did it. You did it. <laughs> oh, man. I'm Tony. I'm Peggy. And we're two RV industry veterans who travel part-time in a small trailer. Looking to share big adventures and help you with great tips. Tricks. And discounts. Indeed. This week, we had a question from our website, and Maggie asked, when you are camping in bear country and you have food in the refrigerator and pantry, do you leave it there or do you put it in coolers and bags and place it in the bear lockers? That is a fine question. Now, what I don't didn't really read, well, I mean, it's obvious it's in a fridge, she says, so in an RV is what we yeah, didn't. Yeah, that's the assumption. <laughs> the yeah. way we didn't write it down, but... We know that if you're in a tent, of course, you want to use the bear lockers. But she was asking about, does she have to take all her food out of her RV? Well, we don't know, but we know people who know. So we asked Steve Searles, our friend, who is known as the Bear Whisperer from Mammoth, California. I really think Maggie has a great question there. And so Steve responded and he said, if you're in an RV, doors and windows closed and locked, no trash around the RV, and there is very little chance of any problem. Well, that's always good to know. Yeah. A yeah. Apparently, from what I've been told, bears don't like to invade the den of other animals. And that's kind of how they see RVs. Huh? Right. And so they know that you're in there and they know that you're your den. Although, I guess a tent is not a den. I don't know. Yeah. Well, maybe. <laughs> a tent is just so flimsy that it's too easy. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. And, and they've probably <laughs> adapted to that. Bears have one heck of a sense of smell. I mean, right. do you think the dog is good? The bear is better at the sniffing. Right. And so in Mammoth, actually, when where Steve Searles is from, their bears are well-trained, and they know that they're yeah. not supposed to get into the RVs. Yeah, and it's unfortunate because oftentimes if a bear does invade a human space, then the rangers and such have to mitigate the action, which can mean putting the bear down or just yeah. transporting them to another park. But it just depends. But it's a good thing. You know, be bear safe. Bears have zero issues. If you're in, let's say there's a minivan and they smell juice boxes, in some places they have become quite aware that there is sweet stuff in the back of minivans and they'll just take their claws and rip the door right off right. like it's nothing because their claws and paws have been designed to rip logs apart to get ants and stuff. Right. So. so that and more is in the episode with Steve. That was our episode 59 and we will put a link in our show notes to that episode. Yeah, there was a whole episode with Steve and so go ahead and take a listen to that. I think being bear aware is uh, good so you don't you're looking for another word to rhyme, aren't you? I am, you? and I'm not. <laughs> the, all the ones that are coming to mind, just, I'm not saying, so. We are happy to share what we know about being bear aware. Yeah. <laughs> Whether you're here or there. <laughs> all right, we're done. All we're right, done. enough of that. <laughs> we have part one. 
There's part your fair one. warning yep. of a two-part episode. Right. We wanted to talk about the, the future. future. And I had the privilege of being unfettered, unadult supervised, in and other speaking words, with... I was in the other room. Yeah. Speak with Mike Sokol, the RV electricity guy. And the relevance is Mike has been testing all kinds of really cool and very relevant stuff lately. Yes. Things that even we normal RVers might be very, very interested in. So I wanted to share this interview with Mike. There's also a video version on our YouTube channel. So check out that or this, but without any further ado, except for this advertisement. <laughs> <laughs> and then let's hear from Mike. Absolutely. Everybody seems to be talking about lithium batteries for their RVs. Of course, they charge faster, last longer, weigh less, and require zero maintenance. Plus, you don't have to replace them every few years. We love Lion Energy's safe lithium batteries, and with their limited lifetime warranty, they're the last batteries you'll have to buy for your RV. Of course, we have a discount for you on our discounts and deals page, and you can learn more about why lithium is the way to go. It is very exciting to have my good friend, Mike Sokol, the RV electricity expert, back with us here on the Stressless Camping Podcast. And Mike is fiddling around with some cool stuff, as he always does, but it's things that I think even normal people might be interested in. <laughs> I like that. Even normal people. And that puts me in the not normal category. Well, I, when we talk, I know Peggy sometimes just, it's like, what are you guys talking about? And that, and you know, she's not here to be our supervisor because you oh, just golly. know so much about RV electricity and all of that, and you study it, and it's above a lot of people, but you're able to explain it so that it's not. So we're running amok. Is that it? That's exactly right. The first thing I thought we'd talk about is you got a bunch of new toys, but more specifically... One that I'm really intrigued. Well, they're all ones I'm really intrigued about, but an F-150 with the Pro Power aboard. Right. They call it the Power Boost. Okay. Yeah. The F-150 Power Boost with the Pro Power generator, 7.2 kilowatt generator built in. Yes. I know a lot now. I don't know everything yet because they took it back in two weeks, but uh, who did I know that they, they got to borrow it? They, another um, a rider, he got to borrow for four hours. Wow. So you got that B and you towed with it. I towed. Yeah. I towed all over the place with it. They told me I could do anything with it, except I couldn't have any dogs in it and I couldn't smoke in it. But if I wrecked it, it was okay. Yeah, isn't that funny? Yeah, that's those press vehicle loans. That's pretty much yep. what they say. Don't smoke cigarettes. Don't take your smelly dogs in there. Do whatever you want. Yeah. Good enough. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm on it. And so for the people who aren't following this, what exactly is that truck? Obviously, it's a Ford F-150. Everybody knows what that is. But right. it's more than that. It really is. Okay, so this is dipping their toes into the pickup truck hybrid market. So this is uh, what we would call a, a hybrid gas electric vehicle with heavy on the gas, light on the electric. But the thing that it does, it's really super interesting. It has a 35 kilowatt motor in it, electric motor that combines with the the main gasoline engine, which happens to be the 3.5 liter V6 with the twin turbo. And it's a, that by itself is pretty cool, but you have a button on the dash that you push. And when you do, 
the motor turns into an inverter generator and it's worth a real 7,200 Watts. And back in the, uh, back in the bed is a, is a little box that you open up and it has a pair of duplex outlets, just like regular 20 amp outlets. And it has a twist lock 30 amp, 240 volt, 120, 240 split phase, just like you would have on a 7,000 watt Honda generator or any of those other things. And it works and it works. <laughs> it's, Pretty cool because that truck, they say, I didn't, I didn't have the chance to really try this, but if you're drawing a, a steady 2,400 Watts from it, and I did try that, the gasoline engine will start and stop and recharge the big, tr- the traction battery in there, which is not huge. It's 1.5 kilowatt hour, enough to drive you through town for a few miles, but it will run, they, they say for 85 hours at idle. Yeah. They rate it to just idle this thing for days. I think they said 35 or 40 hours or something like that at a 7,000 watt load. Again, for days with a 7,000 watt load, that's a 120, 240 volt split phase, which if you guys don't know what that means, it allows you to put a Y splitter on there and you could power two RVs at a campground with this for days. Yeah. The bottom line is the truck is a generator per se. The truck is a generator and it will work while you're driving down the road. That's one of the first questions I asked him. And the one guy said, well, I'm not sure. Go ahead and try it. <laughs> and so I put, you, you probably have seen pictures of me. I put, I have a 10,000 watt load bank, you know, basically a big, big fancy little space heater that you can turn on in 1000 watt increments. I cranked it up to 7,000 Watts, you know, put the appropriate, you know, connection on it and then drove this thing down the road, you know, towing um, a geo pro trailer behind me with power running. So in theory, you, if you had the proper breakaway connections and you'd have to make sure you did all of this correctly, you could fully power your RV, even a 240 volt, you know, 50 amp service while you're driving. So you could run your refrigerator and, and the air conditioner could be running. Now, do not be tempted to put the kids back in the trailer while you're driving <laughs> down the road. We would never, ever <laughs> condone that. That's not a thing. No. But you could say start it up two hours before you get to your campground and then your air conditioner and everything would be, your your inside of your RV would be nice and cool. You, your ice cream would be ice creamed <laughs> properly. Your beer would be properly beer cold. You That's know, appropriate for me. All of that there stuff. So it is pretty amazing and it's absolutely seamless. So when you're driving, if you don't have the generator turned on, when you put your foot in it, it is two engines pulling at the same time the gas engine and the electric engine, this thing kicks, it goes like a rabbit. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So the neat thing is this would be great for boondocking also because you've got a generator without having to haul a generator. Right, and it's quiet. It's it's like below 50 dB. It's quieter than than an inverter generator. And you don't have any stuff to, you don't have any gasoline that you got to dump in. It's, it's the, the fuel already in your tank. They say that when you get down to the low emergency, you know, part on your fuel gauge, it'll run for 30 minutes more and then shut down so that it doesn't run yeah, you completely so out of stuck. gas. Yeah, a little stuck. But the thing is interesting, what Ford built this as, as they said, as a contractor truck. So during the week when you have, let's say, you know, know, you've got your contractor buddies out there, you've got this gig that you're doing that you would normally need a construction generator. 
you can plug an arc welder or a compressor or a bunch of hand tools or whatever you want into this thing. And then what you can do is on the weekends, you could hook up your trailer and your buddy could follow you and you could go boondocking in the woods with you and your buddy. And you could take the kids fishing or put your dirt bikes in it or do whatever you want and do that for days. Well, heck, you could charge electric bikes. You could charge anything with this. And yeah. the third thing that you can do, if and I'm getting ready to do an experiment and prove this, if you had the proper type of a generator connection going into your house, you could power your house for days off of this if the power if you had a power outage. Yeah, that's that's the other thing, especially here in Northern California and of course in Texas. Apparently after that Texas power thing hit, they sold completely out of these things. Oh yeah. Tons of people. And I got to tell you, the thing that's interesting that once you have the power boost option or whatever, this 7,000 watt option is only like another $700 on top of all the other stuff. So it's like a $66,000 truck, which is not insignificant, but I see guys that pay way more money than that. Now, this is an F-150 you know, and you you still have within your limitations, but it's rated to tow like eleven or twelve thousand pounds. I would personally never tow a twelve thousand pound trailer with an F one fifty. It just ain't there. But you know, if you had a weight transfer hitch on there, I would be absolutely co- comfortable with a six thousand, seven thousand pound trailer. They were very excited when I took this to the Airstream show here um, last month because just about any Airstream short of the big massive ones would easily fit within six thousand pounds. And I think that's where you powered two travel trailers, if I'm not mistaken, right? I did. Uh, first, I powered a, I guess, I can't remember how big of an Airstream it was. It was pretty, pretty big, you know, 32-ish. I can't remember all the model numbers. Um, the thing that was really that was really silly about that was, you know, I, I had it all set up. I had my big thing in the back, you know, doing my test on it, demonstrating. And I said, I'm going to go ahead and plug it into this trailer because they had actually brought one specifically. Airstream had brought one for me to play with. And I'm going to go hook this in. And one guy's looking at it. He goes, well, that's a 240 volt plug. I said, yep, it's a standard split phase, 120, 240. He goes, if you plug it into that Airstream, you're going to burn up that Airstream. Uh, Don't do it. Don't do it. And I said, it's okay. It's going to be all right. He goes, you need to talk to that no shock zone guy because he'll tell you how this works. And I said, I am the no shock zone guy. And he goes, Oh really? And this is not going to blow it up. I said, Nope, it's not going to blow it up. We plugged it in. We ran it successfully all day. And then I had a second one hooked onto it to a pair of thirties over there, just playing with it. I had already done this at home. I had powered up both my geo pro and my Safari condo Alto at the same time, both 30 amp and plugged them in. You know, I was plugging in and just playing around with all kinds of stuff. It was, <laughs> I was having a blast. It's kind of neat. It already does have a um, bonded neutral ground connection in it. I had a couple guys complaining that they were having troubles with the GFCIs reset, uh, tripping stuff out, but that's an issue you have with any travel trailer when you plug it into a GFCI into the twenties. But I, you know, I only had it for two weeks. I was just like slamming and banging and changing all kinds of stuff. I would love for Ford to loan me one for an extended period of time. And if memory serves, I think it is rated to tow 11,000 pounds or something, something like, like 11,000 pounds. And right? it's a 1600 pound cargo carrying capacity. Something like that. So it's so, not massive. No, it's a, it's still a half ton truck. Still a half ton truck. I did talk to my guys over at uh, Kurt's and they've sent me a big load equalizing hitch to, to, to try as soon as I get, get another one of these to play with. With the Rockwood Geo Pro toy hauler without any toys in the back, the tongue is designed to be heavier 
than normal because they're expecting you to put a thousand pounds of junk in the back, which I did not do. This is why I need to justify some dirt bikes and a four wheeler and yeah. stuff. Well, electric talk to rich from rich rebuilds. He built an electric dirt bike. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, wow. oh yeah. It's a blast. He, he's done some <laughs> fun stuff. Back when I was a kid, I used to race dirt bikes around. There you go. You could charge the trailer and we'll talk about that geo pro that's coming up, but we'll, you could charge that trailer and you could charge that electric dirt bike and you get there and you're set and you're set. Talk about uh, really cool stuff. And, you know, like I said, the other beauty of this is a number of campgrounds, you know, they do not want you to be running generators, but this thing is not a generator. It's an engine idling. In reality, it's a much cleaner exhaust because it's going through a catalytic converter. It's super quiet. It'll run forever because this is a um, 3.5 liter <laughs> engine, yeah. gasoline turbocharged engine driving a 35 kilowatt generator, creating a 7,000, 7,200 watt inverter output. So everything's yeah, it's big. It's big. It'll run forever. I got people saying, I'll never let my engine idle like that because it'll all clog up. And, you know, I said, look, you're so 60s and 70s like this. You don't get it. I used to rebuild engines starting back in the 60s. I mean, I was a, I was a motorhead. And back in the day with a carbureted engine, you know, you would always have spark plugs clogging up if it idled. You would wash down gasoline down the cylinder walls and contaminate the oil. Modern engines are designed. I could stake it probably idle for a thousand hours and they just don't care because they completely readjust. Yeah, this whole system is designed to idle. And you would also describe there are provisions so that you don't have somebody in the campground hearing your truck at idle and basically going, take thank it, you. Take it. <laughs> No, no, no. So that's the first thing I asked. And as soon as you, you can take the keys out of it, the fob, and walk away with it, it locks all the doors. Huh. And even if somebody were to, to break in, like had the windows down, you get in and you try to drive it away, it just shuts it down immediately if you don't have the fob in it. It'll run idle forever, but it will not uh, allow them to take your pretty new truck. And you had also described how the starter on this, uh, you know, modern cars, if you haven't driven a modern passenger car, many of them now shut their engines off at a traffic signal. So that's right. very it, common. It's some belt driven thing. You can't, there's no Bendix. It doesn't have a ring gear on the flywheel or what. It doesn't have any of that stuff. It just goes whoosh and it just starts up. So it's designed to start and stop the engine hundreds of times a day. And yeah. in fact, you can drive all around town with this thing without the gasoline engine ever running. It'll go for miles. Yeah, that's the, so it's about the equivalent. If you get a hundred amp hour, like a Lion Energy battery. It's about the equivalent battery of one and a half of those, if I'm not mistaken, right? Exactly right. And, you know, the other beauty of this is when you're backing the thing around to hook up, there's no exhaust fumes puffing in your face. Oh, because it's, so it's moving around off. electrically. Yeah, engine's off. Interesting. The engine's off. Oh, that drives my wife nuts. When, when we are hooking up the truck, our new truck has dual exhaust. So we each get in the morning. Oh, golly. You, you get it smell. hit. You well, <laughs> this doesn't care. And it will start and stop. So if you don't have an excessive load on it, it might start up and run for a minute. And then the engine's off for like three minutes or four minutes while it's just running off the battery. And it's very, very well integrated. I mean, it, it, it truly is. Um, if you put a 7,000-watt uh, load on it after 
a minute or two, the engine will step up the high idle, you know, and it, it takes care of all of those things. I was not able to hurt it. I mean, I, I put an 8,000 watt load on it, which lasted for a couple of seconds. And then it just popped and just, just like a inverter generator, it's any modern one, it just clicked off and you can see inside you probably you may have pictures on my dashboard there it shows you a couple little how many watts are running on each side of the thing it has a 120 volt courtesy outlet a 20 amp outlet right there on the dashboard yeah that's so cool which again i thought was kind of neat now you know again i've got guys oh i I can't have an f if i can have an f-250 i won't do it i gotta i can't you know i can't tow my fifth wheel with it all i can say is baby steps yeah. baby steps. And this is a really, really great step, I think, into the idea of an all electric one. Right. We have those issues of re- where to recharge. Right. Which we're going to talk about a little bit later. I think this might be the best equipped vehicle if you like boondocking from right. the perspective of a tow vehicle. It is. The thing that's interesting is, you know, the RV market is changing a little bit. Not as many people are buying massive class A's now because it's just kind of hard to get around and there's limited places for it. But I've been in some beautiful campgrounds that you, you would never take a huge fifth wheel or a class A, but you could take something that's 20, 24 foot that would, you could tow behind this and you would have a grand old time and it would still have the comforts of home. It would have air conditioning. You could run your refrigerator. You could have your big screen TV all those other things. When I talk to the Europeans, they say, we don't understand why you guys go to a campground that's gorgeous around you. And then you sit inside in your comfort, comfort chairs and um, watch TV. We just sleep in our RVs, but then we go out and we hike and we fish and we, yeah. Yeah. They, they said, we don't to understand walking. you crazy Americans. <laughs> I had a German guy just tell me that a couple of weeks ago. And I said, yeah, I understand. It's, it's what we do. One of the things that really helped us on our big route 66 trip having that small travel trailer there were places we could get in where they they asked us how big is your trailer and we said well, okay well that we can accommodate but right. if you're rolling in with a big fifth wheel or class a diesel pusher nope it's just a a, a different thing you know i grew up camping in a cox pop-up camper back in the 60s and then in the uh i think late 70s my dad bought a high low Oh yeah. It was like a 20 couple foot high low, uh, but you know, the whole thing levered down to clamshell down to, it was hardly taller than his pickup truck. He drove that from Maryland out to uh, California or no out to Alaska on Alaska highway and back. And he loved it. I think that is something that you'll see more of is high low or there's the trail manor, which is kind of the same thing. Right. But that's now, that's a great segue into talking trailers. Let's talk trailers, man. All right. Well, first of all, you had just written an article. So we'll put a link to that about driving that F-150. So there's some great more information there if you're interested in it. Hybrid electric trailer. The first one I have seen is the new Venture Sonic X. Okay. I don't know if you've taken a look at it. I wrote a review of it over on RV Travel. And the neat thing is it comes with a lot of battery power built right in from the factory. They were smart in how they did this because it still has a propane stove and it has a gas electric refrigerator and it has a propane heater but it still comes with a good... How much power does it have? It has four 100-watt solar panels. Okay. And a 250-amp-hour 
lithium battery and a 2000 watt inverter. And okay. that's what this series comes with. It's all they're all smaller, but it just shows so the RV industry is seeing that boondocking has become a much bigger component in travel. It is. I believe so. Yeah, you're seeing more and more of them coming out with really nifty trailers or packages that are set up for boondocking. So that's the first one and that I think is sort of a let's call it a hybrid because it still has a propane system. Right. But then there are all electric trailers. The first of which is the ProLite Evolt all electric trailer. And that's interesting because it literally is all electric. ProLite is a company up in Canada making these all electric travel trailers. And that includes the heater. And that's where you lose me. If, yeah. Yeah. It's hard to get enough BTUs out of stored electricity. For you know, and batteries for that, and then someday in the future, but it ain't now, yeah. Yet. And not only that, but this one only has again 400 watts of flexible solar panels. I am not a fan of flexible solar panels, they scare me a little bit. But you know, I've got I've got somebody has sent me both flex and straight uh hardback versions of their same ones. I may be doing some tests later this summer. I have been led to believe the flexible panels fail more quickly than the rigid panels, and from what a few people have said, the reason tends to be most people stick those flexible panels to the roof so there's no ventilation. It could very well be. Uh, again, I don't consider myself to be a solar panel expert yet, but I'm yeah. ramping up. You know, yeah. Once you get 10,000 hours in something, then you're an expert, I guess. <laughs> so I, I have been playing around and studying with this uh, a fair amount. Right now, I'm just looking at them as input sources to batteries and inverters. And I'm starting to really, really understand hybrid inverters and what you can do with lithium batteries. So solar panels are the now the next source. Yeah. So this thing, as I said, 400 watts of solar. It's got a 3,000-watt inverter. Right. And it still only has 250 amp hours of lithium battery. Right. So I can't imagine how quickly you're going to go through that if you run the heater, but it's going to be quickly. Yeah, it'd be a matter of hours, maybe. Uh, but yeah. yeah, I'm not sure if that's properly balanced. And they claim you can run the heater and the air conditioner, of course, and and all of that. I'm not sure. I would have to see that. But uh, all you got to do is start looking at amp hours and kilowatt hours of capacity and on and on and on and on. And yeah, I don't yeah. think so. So then there's also the Palomino Revolve. There's another electric one. Palomino. Okay. Yeah. That company is fairly related to the one that you're going to talk about. But again, four lithium batteries along with four 100-watt solar panels and a 3,000-watt inverter. So that is what is in the Palomino Revolve. And I have reviews of all three, which we'll link in the show notes. But you have something in your hot hands. I've had it in my hot hands. Yeah, since before we months. were allowed to talk about it. <laughs> We have been unfettered. Yes. Nah, I know. I know. I know. I, I, that is where it ends. And I know you're itching and dying to find Man. out what Mike has been playing with. Sheesh, you've been practicing up on your cliffhangers, buddy. Indeed. So he will have that next week. That's all I can say. <laughs> 
We know lots of people who would love to try out stressless camping, but don't have an RV. That's why we love RV Share. It's a great way to test the waters without jumping in with both feet. With RV Share, you can rent other people's RVs so you can experience stressless camping firsthand. It's a great way to decide which RV is right for you. Try motorhomes, travel trailers, or fifth wheels and see what fits your lifestyle. And if you want a safe and secure way to make money with your RV, RV Share is the way to do that safe secure and a great way to start stressless camping so check out rv share on the discounts and deals page on our website today it is hot and smoky and horrible and miserable here and we went to the coast we did we spent a couple of days and a night away from home because home is as tony said hot and smoky and we headed out to the coast of california which we've talked about before we have talked about the mendocino coast and manchester campground and we have talked about fort bragg and so we're going to kind of split the difference and talk a little bit about the town of Mendocino and its surroundings. Mendocino. Oh yeah, don't <laughs> sing on the podcast. We visited Mendocino when we were on our honeymoon. We actually, did indeed. And we love to go back. It's an adorable little town. Yeah, it's very coastal. So, you know, it was 101 when we got back here. Yeah, and it was like 65 or something in Mendocino. <laughs> yeah, it was so nice. We didn't even turn the air conditioner on in the truck. I know that we've talked before about going to the coast. We camp on the coast at Christmas time. So a lot. it's a year-round destination for us because it, even at Christmas time, we it's fine. It's not too miserable there. And in the summer, it's wonderful because we yes. can get away from the heat. Mendocino is awesome always, but in the March time period for whale watching and, you know, now summertime for beating the heat. Yeah. And it's a cute little town. It was a logging town and there's a lot of really neat old buildings there, including a really spiffy old church with a big carving on the roof of it that's that's kind of neat mm -hmm. there's a dude who makes all kinds of really cool stuff out of wood we yeah. have sold him trees before yeah. from various places that we've owned and there's it's a great walking town too it's it's all of like four blocks but very oceany there are a bunch of bars a lot of wine places a lot of places to eat there is also a place we have to visit every time we go there mendocino jams right where they sell the most fabulous jams chutneys mustards yeah peanut butter even oh man it yeah. is a culinary delight <laughs> there's a lady behind the counter and she was just delightful and all she loved to talk about was jam she was really neat well she gave us a lesson on chutneys and you know, explained the difference between chutneys and jams. And, but everything that we said, she like came up with a, like a recipe or a, something to do with that. And yeah, if you're, man, if you, she was on it. That girl knows how to eat. Yeah. If you own a jam company, man, this lady was uh, just a terrific team member because she was very enthusiastic and knowledgeable. I mean, one of the little shopkeepers or team members in the shops were just really positive and it, it was just a, a customer service experience yes. including i was driving around a corner <laughs> and i looked in the window of a shop that we've been to before called out of this world shop 
And they have a whole wall of Legos, including a Lego travel trailer kit. Right. It's a well, it's a three in one kit. So you can make a travel trailer and tow vehicle, or you can make a motorhome. I don't remember what or the third you thing can make, was. Maybe it was a boat or I, I forget what the third one won. It was it was less campy and more other kinds of sports yeah so i don't remember but they that store had legos it had some cool toys it had a bunch of very small quite portable games where we bought two of those right i got all i'm like all into now that tony will start playing games with me i've been looking for games that are easy to transport easy to store in the camper and that two people can play or that a lot of people can play and they don't take a whole lot of brain power yeah because you know the fun of playing games is not having to think very hard there are games that were thinky and we like them but we got a game called tenzi and that one is going to be really fun it's a dice dice game. game and then we got another one that's like a combination of Yahtzee and poker that we haven't really checked out. Yoker? Yet, so. <laughs> no, I forget what it's. Yam. Yam. Yeah. Smash. So this place. I forgot what it's called. <laughs> this place also has telescopes and binoculars. And I finally found a pair of binoculars that I could use. Right. And they were very happy to let you try things, to answer your questions. They were. They were just fun people in the shop. Yeah, really, really helpful. And yeah. every when I said I was looking for something I could keep in the camper, he says, well, come look at this game. Come look at that game. <laughs> <laughs> if I had not pulled in my own reins, I would have come home with a dozen games. <laughs> but that means we just have to go back. Yeah. Oh, anytime. Especially this time of year. Yeah. So we also have a gadget this week. It's something that we have... We bought at the FMCA convention, what, two months ago? Whatever it was, a while back, I whatever. guess technically, because it's going to be September by yeah. the time you hear this. Ooh, and we have another big, long journey planned. But anyway, <laughs> we bought an, a gas stop. And what the gas stop is, is it basically just screws to the top of your propane tank. And if there is a leak in your propane system... It stops the gas flow, and it's a really simple mechanical device. Essentially, the pressure of the propane coming in kind of floats a little ball. So you push on this indicator on on this gas stop device. You push on that, and it floats the ball. And as long as it's like normal pressure and flow kind of maintained, the ball will stay floating and the gas will keep flowing. But if there's suddenly a huge change of pressure the ball kind of seals up the hole and the gas no longer flows out, which is great if you're driving down the road and you bust a propane line or there's a leak or, you know, things like that. So the gas stop, I think, is a another of those good safety devices that is well worth having. I have a full review over on RV Travel, which I'll put a link to. Among the things I bought were, well, I bought one gas stop. I talked to... The company gas stop they sent me a second one and then right angle propane connectors so the black plastic propane tank cover fits over the whole enchilada once again that was the deal i think the gas stop is another good safety gadget absolutely so let's say you want to test your propane system you can 
open the valve, turn on the gas stop, and close the valve on your propane tank. And if there's a leak, there's a gauge on top that indicates the gas level. It's not tremendously accurate, but it's an idea. Well, if that starts to go down, then you know you have a leak. If you maintain pressure, and we did for several days, then your system is not leaking. So it's also a leak detector, and it's sort of a propane level indicator, kind of, sort of, but it's not the world's most accurate. But at least you have some kind of an idea if you've got some propane left or if you're pretty much almost out. Propane and propane accessories. (laughs) Dang it, Peggy. And because of that, I remember that we have told people that we, you know, we have two propane tanks and we always use one at a time. Some people turn both tanks on at one time and we just turn one at a time. And that way, if it runs out, we still have a full tank. But if we have them both on and we aren't paying attention and the propane runs out, the propane is gone. And then we have to... Then it's three o'clock in the morning and you're freezing. Yeah. (laughs) So that is a kind of a little tip is to use one tank until it's gone, turn on the other tank and know that you need to fill that one. Whatever method might work for you, we just rely on memories, which is probably not the best Speaking way for Speaking of which, <laughs> we're taking our trailer to the fair tomorrow, and one of the tanks is empty, yeah. so there you go. You might want to add that you need propane in one or more tanks on your checklist, one of your checklists, because as we always say, checklists, checklists make, make for stressless, stressless camping. camping. And our wow. question of the week last week was... How do you checklist? Do you use checklists? How do you manage them or maintain them? Wendy, our friend Wendy Wu, had such a great idea. She uses those slap bracelets, and she got them at the dollar store. She put a label on each one for the task that needs to be done. And as she arrives at camp and, let's just say, attaches her water and plugs in her electricity, she slaps the electricity and the water bracelet on her steering wheel. And then she takes them off, of course, as she prepares to head out. And then if there's anything still on the steering wheel when she gets ready to leave, she knows that that task hasn't been completed. Yeah, I think it's a brilliantly simple idea. You know, it's one of those things where it's like, wow, that is. And those, I I feel like we've talked about the slap bracelets, but they're kind of like a section of measuring tape. You're right, that because that is how we yeah. <laughs> how we described it. Hmm. Well, I think we when we asked the question, we kind of talked about this a little bit too. Okay. So we did get some responses though, and Brad said that he camps so much that he doesn't need a checklist, and I told him that that's what I thought until the day I noticed that I hadn't closed the handrail on the door, and so <laughs> we went back to using our checklists again. Dave has a checklist for connecting and disconnecting the toad. And once he's done with that job, he gives the he gives his wife the checklist and she goes through it and makes sure that everything has been completed. That oh, second set of eyes is always a good idea. Yes, really good idea. He uses everything on paper. He does it all on paper, which works. But I like to check things off as I go. So I don't want to have to print something every single time. So I like I like ours that's on our phone and it's downloaded to both of our phones. So if I check Mark off that I've done something, Tony knows I've done it and he doesn't have to go do that part. Indeed. (laughs) Tom made lists and made up really nice lists and put them in document protectors and 
never really knows where they are. <laughs> so good job, Tom. You're well on your way. Yeah. You need a checklist to find your checklist, bud. <laughs> right. His wife has a list on the phone, so maybe his wife can help him add all the other lists to her phone. <laughs> so some really great ideas. And I have had other people say they laminate their paper list so that they can check it off and then erase it so that they have it again clean yeah, that's for next a, that's time. that's a good one. That seems like a good way. So this week, of course, we also have a question of the week. Oh, yeah. And that is, do you like those solid steps? They are, for just simple steps, they are kind of controversial. And it's funny how when I was selling RVs, there were people who said, I hate those things. And I, well, we're going to ask in our fun and friendly Facebook group. Right. So if you don't understand what we're asking, those steps that are like, they're called solid steps, rather than folding up and kind of tucking in at the bottom of the door, they fold into the camper and then you close the door behind them and then they fold out. And so they never collapse, I guess. They're always in shape, and so that way they're always very, very solid. So Yeah, well, they can hold up to 500 pounds, apparently. Right, and so those are the steps we're asking. How do you feel about those? Do you love them? Do you hate them? And why? And yes, as Tony said, you can answer that question, as always, on our Stressless Camping Podcast Facebook group. And speaking of our fun and friendly Facebook group, you can find that and more on our website at stresslesscamping.com. That's right. And from there, you can jump off to not only that podcast group, but also our Facebook page and Instagram and all those other social places. Indeed. And did you know you will also be able to sign up for our once a week newsletter and it's absolutely free. We not only share our own information, but we also have links to stuff that I think you might find interesting out there on the wide world of web. Right. So while you're on the website, go ahead and sign up for the newsletter. And please know that we use that email list to send you a once a week newsletter. And that is all that we do with it. Absolutely. Of course, we are on all the social places, which you can get to from stresslesscamping.com. And one of the things you'll find there is our discounts and deals for the best deals on the things you'll need on your stressless camping adventure. We are so pleased and so happy and so grateful for all of you listening and subscribing and especially for your reviews. Absolutely. Including one by Daddy to Five, who's planning his own Route 66 trip. So we hope your trip is awesome and our best advice is to download the Route 66 app and be surprised by how much there (laughs) still is to see there and what's new and We did a whole Route 66 section, which is, of course, also on our website. Anyway, thank you so much for spending time with Mike and Peggy and I. It's been a pleasure to be here with you once again. Until next week, happy camping! We hope you learned a lot, had some fun, and got some tips for your next stressless camping adventure. We're honored by your reviews on Apple Podcasts, which helps others find us too. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss out on the adventure. And we look forward to your joining us next week. Until then, happy camping!